Welcome to Global Outreach Community Church, where we proclaim and demonstrate the love of God through Christ. Now, from the Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas, here is Pastor Anderson with today's message. Many times there's nothing wrong with the church. It's the vision. Our life, the vision. Your personal call and ministry, vision. That God has given us vision, and with vision comes provision, but he wants to make sure that you clearly understand the vision of your church And if you are a guest this morning, I hope you realize that whatever church you go to, hopefully that church has a strong vision. Because vision is the thing that guides us. Vision is that preferred future. I have my own personal vision statement. I won't share it with you this morning. Hopefully I will get into it. But I know what I'm asking God to do in my life. And part of my personal vision is to have a global footprint. I told my wife the other day, before God calls me home, I want to go across this world. And I want to preach, and I want to serve, and I want to build leaders. That's my vision. This morning, I want to encourage you, outside of the vision of this church, develop your vision for your life. What is it that you want to see God do in your future, but it comes from Him? See, it's one thing for you to develop your own vision, but there's another thing for God to give you his vision for your life. So my question to you this morning is, will you slow down long enough to allow the Lord to give you a vision that comes from heaven to dictate your life that he can order your footsteps? So a vision for this church, a vision for your personal life, a vision to help you dream bigger, a vision that you can wake up excited every day. Every day I get up, I get excited. The day may be hard, but I'm excited. One, because I got up. There are some people that just didn't get up this morning, Nevaeh, but we got up. We got up a little slower. My knees were aching. Carter raised his hand. Something was wrong with him, but you got up. That's why we celebrate God, because we get up every morning. So can I encourage somebody, even though hellhounds are on your tracks, that life is hard, thank God that you got up. And if you get up, you can deal with anything that comes your way, because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I didn't mean to get excited, but I just feel like preaching this morning. I got up excited, because I see what God is doing in this church. And I want to encourage us, it will take time to build a church. Because this church is a baby. Parents, when your child was born, you did not feed your child mashed potatoes at two months old. Now, if you was my mom, one of the biggest arguments that happened in my house is that at six months, Erin came home and she got off of milk and she started wanting table food. And we couldn't realize, we didn't understand what happened. Well, while she was at grandma's house, grandma took off the milk and gave her food with salt in it. So she refused to drink the milk when she got home. And oh my God, that was a heavenly meeting between Mrs. Anderson and Mrs. Anderson, the wife. Any mother know about those heavenly meetings? 
But God says, listen, if your child needs to grow, the church needs to grow. So the first thing I want you to understand is that this church is a baby, that we have to nurture the church, that we have to give the church milk, that we can't make this church run when God is saying walk, that God will build this. I won't build it. You won't build it. It's his church. His son died for her because she is the bride of Christ. Let him build his church. You just take an active role in what he's doing. And if he builds the church, he'll build your life. If he builds your life, he'll build your teenagers. If he builds your teenagers, he can build your children. That's why we put our church, our children, our teenagers, and even our spouse in the hands of God. So in our text this morning, it's just a platform. I promise you, I won't get through our whole vision. We see old David. Y'all know David, bad boy. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, God gives David a vision to build a house for the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was the visible manifestation of the presence of God. So the Israelites would carry the Ark. But the Ark needed to rest somewhere permanently. So David wanted to build the house. The problem was David had too much blood on his hand, that he was a man of war. So God gives him a vision to build it, but he says, David, you're not going to build it. Your son Solomon will build my house. So David says this, wait a minute. I got the vision from God. I believe Global Outreach vision is from God. Secondly, David informed Solomon that he would be the one to build the temple and that it required devotion to God daily. God is going to build this church. God is going to build your home. But God is asking you, will you be devoted to me daily? Or will you worship me on Monday but skip Tuesday and come holler at me on Wednesday? Will you talk to me and praise me on Wednesday but forget about Thursday and check in with me on Saturday? God is saying, I want to meet with you every single day. Because if I meet with you every single day, there's some stuff I'm going to show you that you're going to run into. And when I show you, you will know how to handle it because I showed you. So he says, Solomon, devotion. Third, David assured the people that the task will be accomplished because God will help Solomon do it. God is going to accomplish the vision for this church because he's going to do it. But we have to take an active part as the body of Christ, a diverse community serving a God of diversity. Don't miss that. God is a God of diversity. He made all of us to look different. All of us are shaped different. We think different. Our hairs are different. The color is different, but we're still one body called by God to serve the community. And here's the fourth thing. He gave David the details, and David gave it to Solomon, and Solomon led to people. So let's look at the details. What is our vision? What is our vision? Here's the vision of this church. We are a church focused on growing people to be leaders in their families and their communities, spreading the love of Jesus throughout the world. We are intentionally multicultural in a church who equips all generations to be living examples of Christ for others to follow. As we grow, God will tweak this vision. But this is the vision that he gave us. Why? Because this vision encompasses the Great Commission. We talked about the Great Commission last week that we have a mandate to make disciples. So Blake, what are disciples? 
Disciples are learners, followers of Christ in thought, word, deed, and action. That everywhere I go, I understand that I represent Christ to a dying world. And what I say and how I react is an extension of Christ. So it behooves us to make sure that we say the right things, that we think the right thoughts, and we act the right way wherever we go because we represent Christ. So I believe God gave us this vision. So let's look at a few words on this vision, and we're through. Number one, the church. The church. The church is a family. We are a family. We are family. Y'all know that, porn of sisters, right? We're family. There should be no bad blood between family. We may not agree, but we can agree to disagree and still love one another. Some of you are Democrats, some of you are Republicans, but I thank God that he's neither. I don't care your political affiliation, but what I do care about is how you treat people. What we do care about is how you love people. What we do care about is are you making disciples that points back to the word. So we are family. Secondly, God has called this church to be a house of prayer. That every time we think about a fallen soldier in this family, we need to pray. When somebody's going through their bout with cancer, pray. When somebody's going through a divorce, pray. Not talk about them, but to pray. That's how we serve one another. Because here's what I found out. You live long enough, it's called the boomerang effect. The same stuff you throw out may be the same stuff that come back to you. So I'm going to throw out some prayers because I want some prayers to come back. I'm going to throw out some praise because I want some praise to come back. Every now and then I may throw out a little money because I want something to come back. We want to be a church that serves the needs of the body. That's why last week we asked, were there any government officials, uh, uh, employees, because we want you to know we care for you. We want to do something special for you. But thank God that Trayon got a job. Thank God that God is paying Trayon. That's our desire. So don't you judge a church according to the size of the membership. You judge the church by the power of God that's in the church. We want this church to be full of power because it's power that comes from the throne room of God that will save, heal, and deliver people. So we're a church. We're a family. Called out, blood-bought, blood-washed, saved people, called by God as a body of believers, that's a family to reach the community. That's our job. That's part of our vision. We want to reach the community. So we are commanded to love God and to love one another. So I want to encourage you, every Sunday you show up, if you plug into the six weeks Bible study that's starting on Wednesday, love God and love his people. But then we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. Thank God for Miss Crystal. Thank God for the praise team. Here's why I'm tooting the horn right now. I want a praise team that ain't scared to magnify God. That when we come in, that when we walk in those doors, because of their voice, the presence of God just hovering over this room. That the presence of God is meeting him because we are unashamed and unafraid to praise God because he's worthy to be praised. That's the vision of church. I don't care if you sit there and close your eyes and praise. I don't care if you raise your hand. Your praise is your praise. Just be found guilty of praising him. So Acts chapter 2, 42, we went over this before I move on. I'm almost done. Watch this. 
Here's what happened in the early church. They came together. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's to the Bible. They were devoted to fellowship. That's why we're eating after church. The fellowship was communion and going from house to house eating together. They broke bread. They took uh, meals together with singleness of heart. Our hearts should be so knitted that somebody in here shouldn't hurt without the person next to them hurting. Singleness of heart. Breaking bread together. Loving each other and serving. So we want to reach the lost, both in this community, nationally, as well as globally. And that's why the name of this church is Global Outreach Community Church. So let me share with you how I got the name, and we're almost done. I'm driving down, I believe it's 99, and I'm struggling for two weeks. God, what's the name of this church before we planted it? What's the name? I'm begging you. I fasted. I'm waiting on something. Silence. So we're driving, and somehow my wife called me. Thank God for wives. And she, we were talking, and she's like, you're always talking about impact, impact, impact. Yeah, impact. I like that. So I went home, and the Lord spoke to me clear as day. What's that on your, on your uh, dresser? I said, a globe. What you doing with that globe? I'm praying over it. Hmm. What do you do when you go to office? I look at the map of the globe. What do you do over that? I pray over it. I'm driving back down 99 again for an event. The Lord said, so what have you been praying? I said, for a global. What did your wife say? Impact. Oh, I got the name Jesus. Global <laughs> impact. Didn't mean to frighten you. We did the DBA on the church. Got to the courthouse. Paid. We thought the name of the church was Global Impact. But I moved too fast. I called James Chusnett and associates. Hey, we want to hire you. Pastor, great job. I love you being proactive. You did that DBA. Wait one second. Let me put that name in the system. What do you want to do? I want to be worldwide. Okay. You can't have Global Impact. Because three other organizations across the world has that name. Bang! <laughs> Prayed again. Global was it. But somehow, some way, my bad, my bad wife, baby, so what about outreach? Outreach, outreach. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to my wife. Can I say something this morning to the men? Don't get so egotistical that your bride can't speak a word to you in the right season, don't you write that down, because God has hooked up your wife, your bride, your spouse, your boo with you to be able to say a word to you in the right season. Open your ears, coach, to listen to Kimberly. Amen. You got to be able to listen to your wife because we don't know it all. Can the women say amen? Global Outreach Community Church. So here's the last words, and we're done. I promise you, I told you I wasn't going to be long. Here's the last three words that stood out to me. Leaders, families, and communities. This year, the Lord has really impressed on me the need to build leaders. We need leadership in this world. We need leadership in our homes. We need leadership for our children. We need leadership for our businesses. We need leadership on the campuses. Why not start in the church and why not Global Outreach Community Church to produce some of the baddest, gifted leaders in the world?
it can start right here. That we are producing disciples and leaders who understand their call. Blake, you're already a leader. If you lead yourself, you lead one person. But then you need another person, you lead in two. The problem is we don't lead ourselves well. So families, we want to produce. We have a biblical mandate to produce leaders who operate, here we go, with godly character and integrity more than their giftedness. Your gifts can put you in the lights. Your character will put you in the basement. And we want gifted leaders who operate in high moral character and integrity to disciple other people because they know we serve a God of high morals and high integrity. So don't be so gifted that you lose sight that God is more concerned about your integrity than your character than he is about your giftedness. Deliver me from people who can sing to your hair stand up, but they'll cuss you out as soon as you go out in the parking lot. They'll talk about your family. They'll take a key, and I, I've, been, I've been in church a long time. I've seen it all almost. They will fight with you at the altar, you up at the altar. I've been in churches where people are at the altar, and they stealing out the purses that's in the pew. That's not integrity. We want a church that if you leave your purse down, don't you do it. But if you leave your purse down, you know when you come back, everything that's in there will be in there when you get back. Integrity. God is so concerned about integrity that he's concerned more about your integrity than your giftedness. Can I prove it to you? Write it down. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, and Titus 1 through 6. He gives all the qualifications of a leader, a bishop, an elder, a deacon, a deaconess. Only one time does he mention a spiritual gift. See, what we do is we run over that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We talk about all the gifts of the Spirit. Then we run over that chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but then we run over to Romans chapter 12, and we look at the gifts, the gifts of hospitality, and all the stuff he's given to the church. God said, all oh, that's good. But the gift I'm talking about is men being able to function with character and integrity better than you teach. More is caught than taught. Don't tell me how much you know. Show me that you're walking out what you know every day of your life. So more is caught than is taught. So we're on this leadership journey of this leadership summit to produce leaders as a church it'll bleed over to our families and then it'll hit our communities. So let me say this and I'm done. I'm on my own personal leadership journey. Y'all know me. I'm very transparent. So I'm going to read something out of my devotional because I always want to give you some application. Leaders understand critical feedback. Feedback is not an attack on who you are. It's telling you about your actions that need to change. I love feedback. I love me with my VP. I love when people give me critical feedback about the blind spots in my life because I want to be everything that God wants me to be. And if I don't have speak, people speaking in my life about the blind spots that I need to get better on, shame on me. You're about to run track. You're running track. You decide to go with track. But you play baseball. You also play football. If you're messing up on the field, will a coach show on the film 
what you're doing wrong? Do you receive that? Because you want to get better. You just want to get better. So Friday, here we go. I started my executive coaching program. So I meet with an executive coach, a global coach, hour and a half, once a month on Fridays. Four times a year, I will either fly to Detroit or we'll meet halfway for coaching. He said this, Eric, if you're going to build leaders that affect their families and communities, it starts with you. You got to lead self before you lead teams and others and organizations. What are your blind spots? I said, I've already been working on that. So here we go. Watch this. Moment of transparency, and we're done. I wrote in my devotional. I've been writing since 2000. That's a long time. I know it, Carter. <laughs> 2000. That boy's smart. Here we go. Last week. My coach Friday said, what is one area that you know you need to work on in your marriage? I said, oh, that's easy. My wife and my daughters can tell you this. I said, the area of being affectionate. He said, but have you wondered why you're not as affectionate? I said, yeah, good question. Glad you asked. I wrote about that in my devotion last week. So here we go, transparency. One issue, we're talking about leadership that bleeds over to the family, to the community, to the church. One issue for my family of origin, which impacts my marriage, I need to get better at being affectionate. I wasn't raised with hugs and kisses. My parents didn't tell me that they loved me until I was 40. At least that's what I remember. I got great parents, but they're from the older generation. My dad just started telling me he loved me because he was telling Aaron. And I'm going to be real, I got jealous. And I said, Dad, you tell Aaron and Kiki how much you love him. You tell my wife, but you don't even tell me. I don't. <laughs> I said, when was the last time you told me? I, I, I'm not lying. I, this, is how, this is how you got to get real with yourself. I didn't tell my family, but I had tears in my eyes. I said, when was the last time you told me you loved me? I said, you love me because you took care of me. You love me because you took us to church. You love me because you made sure the bills were paid. You were old school, but daddy... I've heard my supervisor tell me that he loved me more than you have in the last 15 minutes. For real? I said, yes, sir. So why is it that I don't tell my family I love them enough? I didn't get it from my dad. Vague memories of my mother holding me, saying, son, I love you. I know my parents love me. That's not a question. But mom and dad, every now and then, your kids want to hear it come out your mouth that I love you, that I'm proud of you, that I appreciate you, and I'm here for you. And then I said my parents were tough disciplinaries. So I got disciplined. And then my old grandmother, cousin, you know about my grandmother from my mom's side, she was mean. Listen to me, I'm being honest. Bless God, she's in heaven. I'm going to keep some, some things to myself. But my grandmother was so tough. So when I got married almost 18 years ago, baggage. You got to get good about learning you. 
And don't get offended and mad when other people see your blind spots and you want to be a leader. They're trying to coach you on your blind spots. So help you become a disciple that you can impact your family to reach the community. Here's the second one. So here's the action steps I put. I'm going to tell my family I love them every day. So now y'all wondering why I'm saying that? My daughter said, this is kind of overkill. No. (laughs) Every day, I love you. A text, I love you. When I see you, I love you. My wife wants to kiss 10 times a day. (laughs) Can we just do five? I love you. (laughs) It's called an action step. And I'm trying to do it without warning and without her asking. And here's the last one. Whoo! Refuse, as a leader, to become defensive in challenging meetings. That's leadership. The clue that you need to learn something is when you become defensive. But we don't want to learn because the fence goes up. Bring the fence down because the person that's giving you feedback has been practicing all week on how to give it correctly so it won't hurt you. Do I coach, when you are mentoring your coaches, all your assistants, do you think about how you want to craft what you're going to say? So you won't hurt them, but to help them. But you got to challenge them. And sometimes you got to cut them and make them bleed, but then come back and put a Band-Aid on it. That's leadership. In the church, we got to have leaders. So here we go. Why do I get defensive? I don't know. I got to figure that out. But what I know is I got to remain calm. I got to listen to what's being communicated. I can't overreact by attacking the one who's evaluating me because I want to love, I want to learn, and I want to serve. And I definitely need to watch my body language. Leadership. That's the first half of our vision. We are a church, not a social club, not a concert hall. A church, a church of prayer, a church of worship. And our job is to grow leaders in the family and in the community, spreading the love of Jesus Christ throughout the world. So I close with this. There were three bricklayers laying bricks. And the man walked up to the first one. He said, man, what are you doing? You're laying a brick. The guy said, what do you think I'm doing? I'm laying bricks because I'm a bricklayer. The man went to the second one. He said, man, what are you doing? Brother, I don't know. They told me to build a wall, so I'm building a wall. But the man gets to the third one. He said, what are you doing? And the third man paused, kept laying bricks, looked at him, kept laying bricks. He said, I'm building a cathedral for God. That's vision. God is going to build this cathedral, but he's asking you to lay bricks. And every day you come, lay a brick. Thank you for listening. Join us each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at The Overlook, located in Atascacita, Texas. Visit us online at www.globaloutreachcc.org. Remember, your life matters because it matters to Christ.